R.C. Davis for Warriors.com. Lucky enough to have on the line live from London and the Olympics, Warriors TV play-by-play man Bob Fitzgerald. Fitz, how you doing? I'm doing great, R.C. I'm going to get ready for the men's and women's basketball tournament here in London. And so, you know, pretty high hopes for Team USA in terms of it's the difficult thing in sports. Do what's expected of you. And it's a gold medal or else what was going on with the All-Americans. So it's a... There's definitely some pressure on both teams, but I think they're ready. Big targets on the back of LeBron and boys. Well, I think that you know the issue for 2008 was that was the redeem team. You know, I was in Athens and did radio in 2004 when they won the bronze, and it was NBA guys are bad actors on the court, off the court. They don't appreciate the Olympic spirit. Uh, wasn't a well put together team. Uh, our own Richard Jefferson was on that team, and you know, and, and this was the first Olympics after 9/11, and yep. so I don't think there were guys clamoring to go. 2008 was a culmination of Jerry Colangelo and Mike Shashevsky really reinstituting the American Olympic program and making it an honor and a privilege to play for the United States and building a team that made sense. You know, get some three-point shooters, get some defenders, get some rebounders, and so now 2012. This is the third Olympics for Carmelo, the third Olympics for, you know, for LeBron. Um, Kobe has embraced, you know, Team USA. Chris Paul calls it the greatest honor he's ever had playing for the United States. And these are guys that want to be here. They're going to spend 38 days together by the time of the gold medal game. And it matters to them. They, they do not want to come here and leave with anything other than that color gold. So it, it's an important part of their careers, and it's reinstilled that Olympic pride from 2008. They want to back it up with another gold medal here in London. And I imagine they're all taking in the pride. They think it's kind of neat to see a Michael Phelps or a or a Serena Williams. That was the thing in Beijing that blew me away, is that, you know, as a sports person, I went and saw Phelps break the gold medal record. I went and saw Usain Bolt run. Uh, I did the water polo, so I was there. I went to basketball to see Team USA. You know, I, I wanted to be part of the Olympics and enjoy it and, and remember it. And most of the events I went to, there were Team USA basketball players both men and women. The men were at the women's games. The men were watching Phelps. The men got to track and field. And, you know, sometimes the schedule prohibits it. They just conflict and things like that. But when you see Kobe and LeBron or Carmelo and these guys, really, Carlos Boozer, I mean, really be Olympians, walk in the opening ceremonies and go to the events and cheer on their countrymen. You see them at beach volleyball and things like that. It was really cool because it isn't a money thing. They're not getting paid to be here. And yet they're American just like we are. So that was, uh, it, it was refreshing. And I, and I think it really changed kind of how that whole Team USA program was viewed. Let's step away from the basketball court a little bit. What's the atmosphere like over there in London? I heard there was a taxi strike and maybe there's some things like that going on. What's going on outside the basketball court that would be of interest? I, I tell you what, uh, the London news must be like, the Sammy Sourpuss media of the century because, oh, it's raining here. Well, let me tell you, it's been 80 degrees and sunny every day with perfect sunsets and just incredible weather. And nice. particularly uh, where we're staying is right by the Thames. Everything is along the river, and it's just been spectacular. I mean, you couldn't – this this evening, there's thousands of people strolling on the promenade and having dinner and going to bars, and it's just a, a tremendous, tremendous scene the traffic, knock on whatever, I haven't been stuck in traffic once. Nice. I mean, it's, I mean just pretty free-flowing from uh, our hotel to the venues, and the tube and the, the railroads and the public transit here in London is, is incredible. So 
that hasn't been an issue. I keep hearing, oh, the, these strikes, or I haven't seen any hide no hair of any of that. And so I don't know where, like, the complaining or the problems are. I'm living it, and it's been great. So That's maybe great. it's going to rain. Maybe the traffic's going to be bad. Maybe something uh, unforeseen is going to happen. But, you know, a weekend, so far, so good. Now, I don't know how it is in London, but in Beijing, the events were pretty spread out. Are In London, if you're going from one event to another, is, is it a is it far to go? Is it down the street? Well, I, I think there's some things like, you know, tennis is at Wimbledon, you know, and then soccer is at Wembley Stadium. Um, so they use some existing venues and iconic venues, both for soccer and tennis. But the Olympic Park really has basketball, the velodrome, the track and field, water polo, swimming, BMX, you know, so the Olympic Park, once you get to those venues, that really is, it's in Stratford, and that's very well contained. And so they do have, you know, the the crew and the rowing and some of those things are, are in different areas. Uh, beach volleyball is right behind one of the, the Queen's palaces. They can almost view it, the royal family, from out their windows. So <laughs> they've used some of that. But by and large, the Olympic Park was built for these Olympics. It rehabbed a uh, whole eastern part of London, and it really is a, kind of a self-contained once you get there, and it's a, very accessible by train and, and tube. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people you know, are all around those venues, but at least they've got one destination to go to. That recognizable voice you hear is Bob Fitzgerald. Bob, who are you kind of geeked out to see this week or over the next 38 days? You know, I, I think I, I'm always excited about the United States. You know, to me, uh, in Atlanta, I did swimming, and in Athens, I did basketball. In Beijing, I did water polo. And in Beijing, the men and women of the United States both got silver. And in Athens, the men got bronze. And in swimming, they won a ton of gold in Atlanta. And the coolest thing for me was hearing our national anthem. So that's like... So the goosebumps are real. Oh, big time. You can't be there without seeing, you know, people stand on a metal stand and then your flag being raised and and hearing that song. It's like, oof, that's... And it's your job to, you know, to cover that. It's really cool. So that's, that's a part of it. But then... There's always, you know, Bruce Jenner in Montreal, is a, you know, and then Olga Corbett in 72, and, and just, you know, Michael Phelps in, in Beijing. There's always a signature athlete that does something at an Olympic Games that is remembered forever. And so, you know, Kerry Strug in Atlanta, and so, or, and then, you know, um, I'm blanking on it, but 84, the, the gymnast for the United States with the boycott, it was the first time that we ever saw Team USA sweep all these medals. And so, you know, things are, things are remembered. But Mary Lou Retton? I, uh, Mary Lou Retton, very good. Okay. You know, so to me, what I'm looking for is to be at some of those events and see that kind of history and just, just be a participant and be there. But from the basketball side, it's, it's LeBron James without Wade and Chris Bosh. <laughs> and it's LeBron at the peak and height of his powers with the up-and-coming prodigy in Kevin Durant. So I kind of look at Durant's the prodigy, LeBron's the present, and then Kobe's still kind of the, the old lion who's not <laughs> past his prime. And those three guys are together. It's like three phases of the moon on this Team USA. So I'm excited about that. Um, the women of the United States could win their fifth straight gold medal. <laughs> There's, that could be historic. Led by Diana Taurasi, right? Yeah, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird and... Um, you know, they got everybody, Maya Moore and Tamika Catchings and Swim Cash, and there's six UConn players. I spent an hour with uh, Gina Oriema today getting ready for the our games on Saturday. And so it's uh, it really, you know, to see a United States team win five straight gold medals, to see the men's basketball team, and so many NBA guys that, 
that we interface with and were around during the Warriors season. I ran into Roni Turioff and Boris Diaw and Tony Parker today when France was practicing. It's just it's it's a fun thing, and, and the pride that these guys take to play for their country, um, it really is different. It's not the salary cap and guaranteed contracts and this and that. It's just it really is you're playing basketball for a lot of the right reasons. And so just the, just the whole Olympics themselves, it's, I like sports. They come around once every four years. It's a special time, and it's 16 days. You're, you're going to see some, some crazy and amazing stuff, and you're just kind of glad you're there. They had a couple nice tune-ups. Spain, you know, was supposed to be one of the main targets, but of course they're playing without injured Ricky Rubio. But to your point of seeing guys in different elements, I think it's kind of neat to see a guy maybe be more offensive on his country's team, like a Tiago splitter, than he is during mm-hmm. the NBA season. And you kind of go, oh, okay, I didn't know he had that in his game, or or watch Serge Ibaka block Kevin Durant, which you'll never see. Like things like yeah, that. Yeah, well, really- I tell you, the one thing that'll be funky, and it won't happen all that often, but the teams are drilled on it. The international teams do it better is there's not that many rule changes. The horizontal lane is gone. You'll see the court look pretty similar. The three-point line is about a foot in from normal. But there's no goaltending. Yeah. So when the ball hits the rim, yeah. guys can jump up and swat it off the rim. So that comes and into so play mostly second, at the foul line, right? free throw, right. that is always the weirdest thing. A, you know, a guy hits the back iron and the free throw is rimming around, and the guy jumps up and <laughs> knocks it off the rim. Yeah. You know, Tyson Chandler can do that. Ibaka can do that. And so, um, you know, just some of that is a little bit little bit interesting. But Tony Parker is the ultimate example. He plays for his country to the point where Greg Popovich took video of Parker playing for France and said, this is how I want you to play for us. It's your team now. And Tim Duncan is, you know, in his swan song. And that's why Parker had almost an MVP-level year for the Spurs this past year because they took his international play, spliced up the tape for him, and said, this is how we want you to play. Rudy Fernandez is an infinitely better national team player even than we see in the NBA. Mark and Pau Gasol playing together, the brothers there, you know, with Calderon and with Juan Carlos Navarro. and You know, it's... You know, the last swan song of Scola and Manu Ginobili and Carlos Delfino and the Argentinian team that won a, a gold medal in Athens and in what they call the golden generation Argentina. Um, they were the, the bronze medal winner in Beijing. So this is probably their last Olympics together. So there's, it, it matters to these guys playing for their country, and so it, that makes it special. Do you think these guys are just more relaxed when they play for their own country? They can kind of, you know, they don't have pop in their ear? I don't think it's that, Marcy. I, I think it's a situation where... They've played since they were 14 and 15 together. Yeah. You know, and so it, it's 20 years. I mean, Skull and Ginobili have played hundreds and hundreds of games and practices and, and been around each other. And so there's that comfort factor. Maybe it's like going back to summer camp together or a high school reunion or whatever that's a it good is. good analogy. The, yeah. the national teams get together, but I think that's what it is. So the games officially started yesterday with a soccer game, and then basketball starts this weekend on Sunday on NBC Sports, the channel that used to be Versus, and then all the gold medal round games will be on NBC. What time can we see you and Doug Collins bring us Team USA on Sunday, Bob? Well, on, on Sunday, it's going to be 2.30 uh, London time. So if you back it up eight hours, I don't know if you're getting up at 6.30 a.m., but that's when the United States... <laughs> We'll take on France, uh, and then we're going to do Spain-China right after that at 8.45 a.m. So if you're waking up Sunday morning, that's the, the men's tournament. But the good thing on that NBC Sports Network is that a number of those games are going to be replayed kind of over and over. So oh, good. If you've got, you got DirecTV, click on Channel 603 and 
hit record, and you know it's the women and men alternating, uh, starting with the US, USA Croatia for the women on Saturday, and then France and the United States on Sunday. Then you get into uh, some games that you could probably miss. You're going to have the United <laughs> States Angola women, and you're going to have the United States Tunisia men Yikes. Uh, Monday and Tuesday. But it finishes up with a bang uh, against Argentina in the prelims, and then that's when it gets interesting with Brazil and Spain most likely, uh, in addition to Argentina probably one more time. So, you know, the powers in this tournament, France, Argentina, Spain, Brazil, the challengers to the United States. And much like Villanova Georgetown, you can have a perfect game yeah. and the better team doesn't win. Mm-hmm. You know, in a seven game series, the best team always wins. But in a one and done, play a 2 3 zone, which is legal internationally, dare the United States to shoot a bunch of threes, hope they're having a bad shooting night. Kobe or LeBron or somebody gets into foul trouble, you foul out with only five fouls. And all of a sudden, just like in Beijing, 37-point blowout of the United States over Spain in the prelims. It was a four-point game with two and a half minutes left on the gold medal game. Jeez. And so <laughs> Spain yeah. Spain gave the United States the ride of their life before they held off and won that gold medal. So it can happen. Um, but for Team USA, they're going to see adversity at some point during this tournament. How do they deal with it? They don't have size, and so it's going to have to be athleticism and defense and pressing and turnovers and getting up and down the floor. Um, who takes the pressure shot? Is it LeBron? Is it Kobe at the end? Now, there's just a lot of questions that are going to be answered over the next couple of weeks plus. Two final questions before I let you go. You mentioned Tyson Chandler earlier in the goaltending rule. How much of a disadvantage is it going to be for Team USA without with a lack of bigs? Well, in a perfect world, you'd want one more, and that's why they brought Anthony Davis. And he's played well in some of these prelim games, particularly for you know a kid who's one year in college. But Tyson Chandler fouled out of the friendly against Spain in mm-hmm. seven minutes and didn't do much. And he is their one true size guy. So if you didn't have Chandler in for an extended period, you might play a zone. But when you see Tiago Splitter and Anderson Verjao and Nene up front for Brazil, and you look at a team like Spain that has both Gasols and Sergi Baca, and I'm watching France today, Kevin Serafin is a beast on the block. you know. And then you have Roni Turioff and others. The United States lack of size, it could be exploited if and only if other teams' guards can break that kind of frenetic pressure by the United States defense. So if Tony Parker has a great game, or if this Marcelos Huertas, who is, uh, I think, one of the best point guards that's not, he plays in the Spanish League, he'll be in the NBA someday. He plays for Brazil. You know, you'll see Calderon, who's a very clever, very heady guy running Spain. If they handle the pressure and can get it to the bigs of the other teams, those international teams are going to give the United States problems. Conversely, if Durant and Carmelo and Kobe and LeBron are scoring, nobody can hang with us. <laughs> that's, you know, that's we are the best team here, and it's you know we'll see if the United States can pull off the gold. Finally, kind of weird not having baseball involved in the Olympics. Well, what's weird to me is that there's no baseball and there's no women's softball. The United States dominated women's softball, uh, but there's women's boxing. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know. No baseball and no no softball, but women's boxing. So, mm. yeah, the Olympics always – and then BMX auto racing and right. whitewater rafting and some of these things. So it's uh, it's always expanding. I don't know how they decide on which sports are in, which sports are out, or if it's interest level or team participation. But, yeah, the Olympics are a living, breathing organism, and how they end up with the teams, <laughs> I have no idea. Will you be safe over there? And uh, we'd love to catch up with you after a game or two as the USA goes for gold. That sounds good. I appreciate it. 
He's Bob Fitzgerald. I'm RC Davis for Warriors.com.